You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? You will find so many gifts along the way when you make an intentional decision to journey with other people and to let other people in. And I say it like it's easy. It's it, it's not. If you're not used to it, it, it'll be the hardest work you do. It'll be a brand new road and it's worth it. It's worth it because there's freedom on the other side. You will be unlocking a world you didn't know existed and you'll discover this sense of uh, God, spirit, universe, whatever you call it, doing for you what you could never do for yourself. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tapping into some Untapped Keg, our podcast about sobriety, mental health, spotlighting stories that bring us hope and love. We are on all podcast platforms. Look us up, Untapped Keg everywhere, all social media. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. We could really use that five-star rating. Share it with your friends. Um, I am one of your hosts, RJ Zimmerman, and I'm here with my good friend, Monte Ball. How you doing, big guy? Good, man. <clears throat> good, good. Doing well. Doing well. Um, feeling good. I'm loving the weather. Loving the weather. I'm gearing up, obviously, for this transition I got coming up. But uh, I'm excited, man. I'm looking forward to to all that we have. And before we get to our guest, of course, RJ, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Uh, you know, heart's pretty heavy um, today because our, you know, Everything that we can going out to Buffalo, but and all the families mm-hmm. involved there. Um for another time. So today it's we're excited to have hear the story and learn about this amazing community. We have the pastor, founder, executive director of the free spiritual community in Colorado. Very excited to welcome Ryan Canada. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, it's good to be with you. Good man. Good. I love. I see the shirt already. I see. I see the logo on that bad boy. I like it. Yeah. I like the logo. Uh, but man, we're excited to have you, man. And uh, obviously, you and I have been talking for what seven, eight months, possibly. Somewhere way back. Around, right. I think yeah, probably longer than that actually. But um, I've had the opportunity, obviously, of learning about what your initiatives are, what you've been doing, uh, your passions and everything. But really excited to hear for you to share here uh, with our listeners and stuff. So we'll just go ahead and just dive right into it, man. I mean, so share with us, obviously, uh, who you are, um, what it is you do. And we'll get into, obviously, why you came about um, hopping on this journey. Yeah. So uh, like RJ said, I'm Ryan and I'm the... uh pastor, founder, executive director of Free Spiritual Community in Denver. And, uh, you know, we are a community. We're, we're a pretty new community. We actually started in our backyard uh, almost four years ago. It'll be four years this June. Um, and we're a community for addicts, loved ones of addicts, and what we call spiritual refugees. Those are people who feel like they've been kicked around by religion, uh, they've been told somewhere along the way by some religious narrative or religious leaders that they don't belong. They don't act right. They don't behave right. They don't talk right. And so they don't belong with the God stuff. So we try to create space for our spiritual refugees. And, you know, our mission at Free is to uh, break the silence of addiction because we have this addiction crisis, not just in Colorado, but I know you guys experience it, too. And, uh, you know, my little backstory is... Um, I've been sober now for just over nine years, but part of my story is I was a drug pastor. Yeah, thank you for that, RJ. Uh, So I was telling RJ earlier, I I don't have the sexy story of getting sober, then becoming a pastor. I was this drunk pastor uh, living in shame and and telling myself that my story is unique and no one understands. And, And my greatest fear was to be known. My greatest fear was that One day you would find out who I really am inside. One day you would see all the fears, all the shame, all the resentment, all the anger that I carry. But as a pastor, I would put on this 
this kind of mask and try to mask it over. And then I'd go home at night and uh, lock myself in a basement and drink myself into oblivion because I hated myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Getting into sobriety has taught me how to like myself again, which is a big deal because when you're stuck in that, that darkness of addiction, man, you, you don't, you don't like who you are. You look in the mirror and you hate what you see. And that's a, so part of our freedom is, is not just putting down the drink. I mean, that was a big deal for me. That was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Uh, but it was also learning how to love myself again. And man, that's a journey. That's a journey towards what it means to be free, which is why we call this place, this community, free spiritual community, because all the things that set us free, grace, compassion, love, forgiveness, in my experience, they are all the things that are so freely given by God. Uh, so that's what this community is about. And, and I should also tell you, you know, um, the, the other backstory is uh, while I was a pastor, so I got sober just over nine years ago, uh, I went public with my story from the pulpit at the church where I was pastoring. And that was about uh, four years into my sobriety. And I did so with the help of mentors in my life and a sponsor and uh, making sure this was a wise move. Um but I shared my story and I did it with fear and trembling and I didn't know how it was going to go if the, if the, if the congregation was going to turn on me or kick me out. And I shared my story on a Sunday morning that I was a, a recovering alcoholic and they supported me and surrounded me with all kinds of grace. But what happened that day was I got home and by Monday morning, my email box was flooded of people saying, How'd you put down the bottle? Or I've got a brother or sister who's who's uh, on drugs and, and losing their life to addiction or a mom or dad or aunt or uncle. And so I get there the next Sunday and I'm looking out towards my congregation and it was like, oh my goodness, you guys are sitting next to each other, but you don't know it because there's such shame and stigma around addiction. Mm-hmm. And just kept it so silent and people are dying. The year we started free, I did. That was in 2018. I did six funerals. All uh, all except for one of them were under the age of 35, six funerals due to drugs or alcohol. And so I looked out in my community and I said, man, we've got a problem. This thing has gone underground and we're not talking about it, especially church people, because we want to act like everything's good and, and me and Jesus are good and life is good. And uh, you go home and you suffer and you suffer in silence, which is why our mission is to break the silence of addiction so we can start having this really important conversation because people are dying. Mm-hmm. That's I, it's just gotten worse since, you know, two years mm-hmm. ago, like, since the start of the pandemic. I think we were headed in a in a positive direction. And then the pandemic just kind of derailed everything, just like, you know, it did for just about everything, but it's important to hear stories like yours that you spoke about it and helped uplift people and you're there helping people. And that's, that's something that I think gets lost. Um, when we look at ourselves, like you said, you started your story. You don't have that, that sexy, you know, rock bottom picking yourself up kind of story, but that's not, what everybody goes through. That's not what I feel like I went through. That's not, you know, that's not what a lot of people feel like happens. So it's important to hear those stories as well. And I'm, I, it's so like as men, as men, and I've been talking about this a lot the past couple of weeks, you know, we, we hide, we hide from ourselves because we've been told this fairy tale, um, that life should be, Maybe not easy, but we should be able to handle everything it throws at us. That, mm-hmm. and we shouldn't talk yeah. about it. We don't have to talk about it. There's nothing to talk about. It's just life, right? Pick yourself up, put some ice on it, rub some dirt on it. You're fine. That bone sticking out, oh, you'll be able to use it in two weeks. You'll be fine. And, you know, hearing your story and, you know, men talking about it it goes so far so when you brought up the idea of the free spiritual community how was that received you know i think it it was an easy mission for people to buy into it was an easy uh it wasn't disconnected from what people were seeing 
Um, and I think there's this sigh of relief, like you said, RJ, with especially for men, because we live in this culture that says you got to be strong. Don't show people your feelings. Don't shed tears. Uh, and and strength is a good thing. But what I found is the strength comes through through the weakness. Uh, we're 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 strong when we're actually weak. We're strong when we say I need help. I can't do this on my own. Uh, you know, especially in the religious culture, we hear, oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. And that's BS, man. I've, I've always been faced with more than I can handle. It's what turns me to a spiritual solution. If I can handle it, then I'm still doing life in old way, which is doing it on my own. And, uh, so I find that we get strength through our weakness. And, uh, so it's a, it's a cultural shift, but when you ask, uh, how did people receive this idea of free spiritual community, I think there was a lot of people that were excited that we're finally talking about this problem of addiction and we're adding God into the conversation, a spiritual solution. Um, and, and also getting addicts and loved ones of addicts together. So those battling addiction and their loved ones that they can sit in the same space together. We don't have to separate them out. Um, and so there was also this question of, will it work? What, what's it going to be like? Okay. So it always came with this bit of, uh, some undergirding anxiety, a healthy anxiety of, I don't know, let's see what happens. And that's how new things work, right? We step into them and we say, all right, let's see how this goes. The whole thing could fail. The whole thing could fall apart or it could work and it could meet a need in the world. And that's what we did. We just stepped into that kind of fear of saying, let's see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. It's much, it's, as we all know, it's needed. And so you did mention obviously that stigma, right? Um, yeah, that public stigma that that creates that internalized shame that folks experience. Uh, my question to you is, how did how did that impact you um, with your journey, with with you, your coming to sort of your enlightenment period of realizing that you obviously have to make a change? Like, how did that how did that stigma, in a sense, prolong that um, jump? You know, it prolonged it in a pretty significant way. I just went underground. And like I said, my my greatest fear was that one day you would find out who I am. And that's Mm -hmm. not just finding out that I'm a drunk, that I can't stop. Once I pick up a drink, Ryan doesn't stop. I go until blackout drunk. And I've been that way since my very first drink at 16 years old. Uh, But it wasn't just that. It was, what if you guys find out that I don't really like myself? What if you find out? that I'm spiritually disconnected. Um, what if you find out that me, me and God aren't tight and I'm up preaching on Sunday mornings, you know, um, because when I was, when I was, uh, 18, almost 19 years old, which is when my drinking really picked up, uh, my brother was killed in a car accident from this thing of alcoholism. He got clean and sober and he relapsed. I was my first year in college. And uh, in that moment, and I was going to school to be a pastor. I was in a small Bible school up in Michigan. And uh, when I received the news of my brother's death, who was three years older than me, uh, my world came crashing down. And uh, I, I, this God that I trusted, man, I hated that God because I saw God as you, you turned on me. Man, you abandoned our family. This promise of him getting clean and sober and having new life. He's dead now. And where are you? And so I, I got stuck in this game of blaming God and hopefully y'all wouldn't figure out that how I looked at God. I didn't trust this God. And yet here I am a pastor. So I just, I went underground with everything, hiding, hoping you wouldn't figure out who I really am. And what I, what I can tell you is on January 7th of 2013, uh, it was a Monday morning and I was drunk and passed out on the couch like I always was. And my wife came down the stairs. I had a, we had a two and a half year old daughter at the time. She's 11 now. Um, she would be hitting me on the head, on the couch, thinking I was dead, thinking that pops had, had passed away, you know? And my wife came down the stairs that morning and she was uh, holding an empty bottle of vodka, a bottle I thought I had hidden well enough. I had bottles all over the house. And, uh, you know, Sunday nights were like my Friday nights, you know? Um, so she came down the stairs holding that bottle and uh, this time she had tears in her eyes and she said, what are we going to do? And, and uh, it was this really powerful moment for me because it, she might've said it a thousand different times, but this time I heard it that 
I'm not alone, that she was walking this journey with me. And uh, that was my first day of sobriety, January 7th. I haven't picked up a drink since January 6th of 2013. And uh, that was my road to uh, reaching out. On that day, I cried out. I said, God, I can't do this. And uh, I think that's one of the most beautiful prayers we can offer. I didn't see it on that day. Of course, it's not until we look back. But I think God was saying back to me, good, good. Now, now we can go some places. Now we can get somewhere. Now that you realize you can't do this journey on your own because that's how you've been trying to do it. Uh, the beauty is getting in community, opening our hearts, uh, vulnerability, you know, and as men, we struggle with that because we're told, don't be vulnerable. Don't let people in here because if you do that, they're going to turn on you. And my experience is uh, people dig vulnerability because when we get vulnerable, when we can share our stories and the darkness of it, we give other people permission to go deep into their stories. And so it's this permission giving cycle. Mm. I love that. I love that because it's, it's true. Right. And sometimes it's hard, especially, you know, us who are tasked with being the strong ones, because when we show vulnerability, that makes everybody else around us panic. That makes them tell us, no, no, that's not happening. And that's that's hard. That's hard to see because you're trying to be vulnerable. And all of a sudden you have to go back because other people can't handle you not being strong. So. I, so I teared up when he told me, uh, you know, what your wife said, because that is, be- it's beautiful because you say it still feeling that moment that what are we going to do? It wasn't what are you going to do? What are we going to do? And, you know, that's something that a lot of, a lot of people need to hear. And that's, I'm really like listening about your community and listening to you talk, you know, you're, you're really inspirational because it's not, what are you going to do? It's what are we going to do? So when people come to the free spirit community and they're in a rut, they're stuck along that same wagon path that has the grooves and they just can't seem to stay to get out of it and stay out of it how how do you show them that it's not you now it's we like what i mean there's a lot of power in that yeah you know our tagline at free is we don't do shame and, and when we say we don't do shame i mean we don't shame you and we don't do shame in ourselves because that's the really deadly one yes it is we're, we're, we're generally pretty good about not shaming others. Uh, we've learned how to do that. It takes some, some work to get there, but we can get there somewhat easily. But man, that shame we do to ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. Um, you, you don't know my past. I hear that all the time. But pastor, you don't know what I did. And, and they're expecting me to say, oh my goodness, I can't believe you did that. But instead, what we say is, yeah, me too. Yeah, I've been there. Maybe not the same exact scenario, but yeah, I've hurt people. The people that I love most, I've hurt my wife, my kids, my family, my mom. Yep, I've done it. And uh, so what we do is we find that that togetherness and we say, just stay put, just, just hold on, stay in community. And our central uh, image at free, in fact, it's tattooed on my neck, is a wagon. And uh, we are the wagon. We started in our backyard. We had a little wooden wagon. And uh, it, it was sitting against the tree and it was a central image. Now we have a big custom built wagon at free. Uh, but I tell people the story of the wagon and why we're the wagon together. And the, the backstory there is when, when I was at the um, L.A. rescue mission, this was a few years back. And I was it's the largest res- rescue mission in the world. And I was taking a tour with the executive director and uh, he took me up to the top floor where all, the, all their memorabilia is. And uh, that central pic- picture was this old black and white photo of a wagon. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's the story with the wagon? He said, you don't know about the wagon. I said, no, but apparently I need to know. And uh, he said, that's how we got started. Late 1800s, they took this wagon into the roughest parts of L.A. 
and they would distribute things like food and clothing and Bibles. And at the end of the night, they would welcome anyone who wanted to get on the wagon to get on and they would head back to a place of recovery. Now, what happens when a bunch of drunks get on a wagon? Some of them fall off, which just yeah. was mind blowing for me. Is that where that, <laughs> that phrase comes from? Wagon. Yeah. Um, he said, but this wagon, when the drunks would fall off, the sober ones, they would stop the wagon and they would jump down and pick them back up and get them on the wagon because they knew where they were headed. And man, I took a picture of that photo and I wrote my notes on my phone. If we ever start a new community, we are going to be the wagon. That's like, that's the church at its best where we can stop the wagon, pick up the fallen and we don't do shame. We don't say, well, you're not welcome here anymore because you screwed up. Uh, The church is known for that. The church is known for kicking the wounded, uh, keeping them out, saying you've got to do this and this and this, and then you can belong. No, 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 no. We start with belonging first and we get on the wagon together because we know where we're headed. And so I just emphasize to our community, our people, we do this work together. We do not do it alone. You will fall alone and you won't have anyone to pick you up. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I actually like that. I like that a lot. I understand, obviously, the analogy of uh, prior to this, obviously, of, of, you know, what the wagon is and what it symbolizes, of course. But actually listen to somebody sit here and actually explain it, thoroughly explain it. That that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool stuff. So with your community, uh, Ryan. um, So share with us, you know, what what is it? What is it like? What is what is a typical day like when you wake up on a Sunday morning and, and, and go in? Like, what is this? community already there. You get up, you talk, you share, the people come up on stage with you. Do you guys have breakout rooms um, to have more intimate conversations with folks who may need a little bit more guidance? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. So Monte, one of the beautiful things is uh, Sundays is my day off. So I get to sleep in on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that because, um, you know, in the typical church world, I, I come from the church world where Sundays was like, it was right. the Super Bowl every Sunday. We have our uh, we have our service on Saturday nights, and we did that because when I was uh, I was serving as you know like I said a lead pastor at a different church, and um, so Sunday mornings was taken. So we started this as a side gig and did it on Saturday nights, which was uh, just kind of a killer for the year and a half we did that at the same time. Uh, but we do Saturday nights also because, uh, as you know, people battling addiction. Saturday nights is kind of the time to go to town with how you want to drink or how you want to use. So Saturday nights is we create a safe space. Um, but our service is on Saturday, 7 p.m. in Denver. And uh, I always give about a 20 minute message. Uh, we talk about things. We just finished a series on relapse. Uh, we're doing now a series on spiritual refugees and what it looks like to create space. We did a series on codependency. Uh, So we're trying to talk about the real issues that our people deal with. And so uh, we start with celebrations because it's really important for our community to lift up the good sobriety birthdays or babies being born or jobs being gotten. Um, And we celebrate together in community and we have a big online community and we include them. So we include the online people as well as the in-house people. Um, And then, like I said, I give a, a 20 minute message. And then I always, we've done it now since day one, every single week we have had a guest storyteller that joins me on a stage because uh, something that drove me kind of crazy about the church world is it's like one pastor and it's a guy, usually a guy Mm -hmm. uh, standing on stage and he gets to do all the speaking. And it's like, wait a minute, we have others in this room that have experience, strength and hope and wisdom to share. So I always bring up a guest storyteller and uh, I interview them. Uh, and we try to keep it uh, related to the topic, but they get to share hope with other people. And uh, it's just been a cool thing. We've had just a guest storyteller every single week. Sometimes it's someone from out of town, but uh, usually it's someone just from the community. So you could hear from your comrades in the journey. Um, And we always end with heartaches. We share those heartaches uh, the same way we do celebrations. Um, and it's really important in our community because we deal with some heavy stuff, uh, mm-hmm. relapse, death, moms losing their kids because they picked up a drink again, or dads losing, you know, losing because they picked up a drug. And um, there's heavy, heavy stuff 
And again, I remind the community, we don't carry these burdens alone. You weren't made to carry it alone. You suck at trying to carry these things alone. We have to do it together in community. Um, so that's what Saturday nights look like. And, and there's just people hanging out beforehand and afterhand, especially with opening our coffee shop on site. Uh, that's been pretty cool. Uh, but we have meetings every day throughout the day, different 12-step meetings or recovery meetings. Uh, we do events like sober open mic nights where we just open up the stage for musicians to come showcase their talents, you know? That's awesome. uh, yeah. So there, there's always something going on and we try to partner with other organizations uh, to do some good in the community as well. We're partnering with Holy Kicks at the end of the month uh, to do, uh, they actually, they walk with our homeless brothers and sisters in Denver and build relationships with them and they have programs for them, but they also collect uh, new shoes to give out. Um, because shoes end up being pretty important for people who are on the streets all day. So we're doing a shoe drive right now, just trying to give back and do some good in the community. Yes. Nice. That's amazing. Um, you know, not, like I said, building that community so that people aren't alone, that it's, it's we and not I, and you know, that's so powerful in everybody's journey. When you feel that you have people that don't judge you and you don't even know you need it until you experience it. Right. Um, and it's about creating a BS free zone. There's no, when you come into this space, you don't need to put on the mask. You don't need to act like all your ducks are in a row. It's a BS free zone. Just leave that stuff at the door. You know, let's come in here and be real and honest and, and authentic because people need that. The, the isolation, the secrets, they're actually killing us. Mm. They are. They are. And, you know, everybody's journey is unique. You know, all of ours, are, we're all similar, but we all have those different paths to take. Um, and that's that's something that people kind of, they don't, some people have problems wrapping their minds around. Like some people think you need to do 12-step. Some people think you need to, uh, you know, stay away from that. Some people think, like, you got to go to a rehab center you have to do this. You have to do that. You know, it's whatever works for you is what works, period. Mm -hmm. And you can add in what you need to. You can take out what you need to. Um, we have one question from the community, from Big Kev. Um, he says, in the religious community, when it comes to addiction and mental health, a lot of churches say, pray it away. Um mm -hmm. Where do you differ with that? Because, you know, you are putting your hands in. You're not just saying this is something that we could pray away because that's not life. And I think it's important for people to hear from a pastor and, you know, from this free spiritual community because you're welcoming one and all. And that's, mm. you know, that's amazing. So um, I wanted to get that question in there. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and usually when religious leaders say things like that, oh, just 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 go pray it away. Just go pray about it. Um, it's our way of saying we don't want to deal with this. It's actually our way of saying I'm not, not equipped to handle this. So just go pray about it. Um, and I don't say that to diminish the power of prayer. I believe very much in prayer. Um, prayer has saved me. I mean, when I pray the serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. That's powerful. When I can repeat that over and over, it has a way of changing me. So prayer does, does change us. But when we say things like that to people who are suffering, we're saying to them, your, your problem's not really important here. Uh, you go deal with that with God and let us do our religious stuff over here and what we have to see is it's all one mm -hmm. i mean the minute we say mental health has nothing to do with my spirituality well then we live in this dichotomy of separation it's all one um and churches have this unique ability this this platform to actually get people together and talk about the issues that are actually affecting us um and, and Jesus has stuff to say about this all the time when he talks about anxiety, when he talks about um, surrender. Yeah, the, the, these are important things. We can add in the spiritual to this discussion. I think it's all one. Everything is spiritual. Um, but when we say things like that, 
we are diminishing the pain in our community. And what we have to do is uncover all those layers so we give people the freedom to come into our spaces and actually talk about the stuff that matters. Uh, and so now my role as a pastor and executive director is to take that stuff very seriously and keep creating that space to say, now we're going to talk about that here. We may not have the answers. In fact, I, I rarely have the answers, but we have all kinds of resources. In fact, at Free, we have a trauma therapist on site that can, that's Ooh. there five days a week that I can give you as a resource. We have community group gatherings. We have different 12-step groups, recovery groups. There's resources, but we've got to be willing to talk about it. We've got to be willing to break the silence and stop saying stuff like that. Just go pray <laughs> it away. Completely unhelpful. That's a, that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant model. Um, I, I, I like that. Again, you, you're the congregation, right? Bringing the folks together to tear down the stigma to share stories, to provide hope, and also sort of building awareness around engagement uh, for the trauma therapist who's on site, right? Make people feel more comfortable just being near folks who specialize in in psychiatric care. Um, obviously helps them to put one step in front of the other to possibly give it a try. No, that, that's, that, that's wonderful. And my question to you, Ryan, is like, you were, did your journey start um, is it just strictly um, spiritual guidance that helped you along your way? Um, was there any sort of, of therapy that you did? Because I, I did a lot of therapy, a lot of one-on-one therapy, IOP as well, um, intensive outpatient treatment. And so I'm kind of wondering, is, was there anything else that you sort of leaned on? Yeah, a uh, great question. Uh, you know that uh, January 7th, uh, I told Tammy, my wife, I said, uh, I said, honey, you're absolutely right. Something has to change with me. Uh, I, I can't control this thing anymore. And so we had a we had a, a counselor for marriage counseling that we had seen in previous years. And uh, so I called that counselor and I said, Sue, uh, man, I think I've got a drinking problem and I need help. And she said, uh, Ryan, I'd be happy to see you. But first you have to get involved in some sort of group therapy, some sort of support group. And uh, it really, it just kind of pissed me off. So I hung up the phone because I thought she's no to me. Um, But really what she was saying is um, it's not, it's, it's not a one-on-one thing. Get, get your secrets out in a group. And then what I found was um, I'm a big proponent of counseling. Counselors have helped me along the way. They, they can help me see things that I can't see on my own. Um, and it's they're an outsider. Um, they have they have tools and a skill set to talk about these issues that 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 aren't threatening in the sense of I'm just going to shut down. Um, but one thing I did was um, I found some good, healthy male mentors in my life that I still meet with to this day um, that have nothing to do with the 12 step program I'm involved in. They have nothing to do with, um, you know, they know about recovery, obviously. But people, men that I trusted, that could uh, guide me spiritually, that could guide me in business decisions, um, and I still use those tools today. So I'm always encouraging men find other men to walk with that you trust that are, that can be mentors to you, because if you've lived a long life of addiction up here, your brain is a little scattered. Don't always trust your brain to make the best decisions, because you might find yourself right back to where you started. So. Get people around you that you can trust. That's helped me immensely. That's that advice is I, I can't echo that enough. Like finding people that you can talk to, not just about, you know, addiction, recovery, sobriety, mental health, but life. Life and be honest about it. That is I think that's something that we a lot of us lack where we think that we can talk about life with people that we've been close with. But as soon as we start to broach those subjects, it's like there's a point that people don't want to go past. And uh, that point is pretty much two inches right in front of us. And we don't realize it until we start to take that step. Um, That's, that's something that I heard uh, when I really started to make my mindset shift, which 
really started to happen in November where I started to identify my deep sense of self-loathing, right? This is like seven and a half years into sobriety. And I didn't realize that I hated myself as much as I did. Like it was so neutral. And I've talked about this before that like, I just thought that's how I was. And then interaction with my two boys, interaction with other people, reading a book about getting a business started and stuff like that. It's like, you know, a mentor who can help walk the path and see things from the outside. Like that's when I made my most progress in my life was in high school. I had a mentor for the first time ever, not even realizing that's what they were. And like the beacon that they put up for me to get back to in my darkness, like that's massive. And I really appreciate that you put that message out there that, you know, you can find other men, you can find other people to walk this life with you. And that's really the community that you're creating. Um, when you mentioned that people are online, do you guys do Zoom? Do you do other uh, ways to get connected? Um, you know, do you, how can people go about getting into the community? And we're not wrapping up yet, but I want to talk about this yeah. right now because uh, um, I just, I'm very interested uh, to hear what made you think to include. Was it just the pandemic or... Um, you know, and then how people can also, you know, just support. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the pandemic was of course this awful thing in the world and, and like with any tragedies, there's always these kinds of, uh, good things that can happen because of it. And one of the things it did was it, it, uh, gave us the sense of urgency to be online because, uh, we were looking at these statistics you, you mentioned earlier uh, what happened in the pandemic. It gave people who are already prone to isolation, um, it gave them permission to stay isolated. And what we know with people battling mental health and addiction, um, that is a deadly combination. Isolation kills us. Um, so we, we kind of went into this uh, panic, urgent m- mode of how do we stay connected? Uh, so we went online. Uh, we started live streaming through our Facebook page and YouTube channel. We also have a platform called Subsplash, which we stream through. And what that did is we started hearing comments from all over the country of, uh, man, we need a free in our city. Um, how come no one else is doing this? Uh, hey, how do we start this in our town? Uh, so we are right now, I am in the midst of, uh, we're actually just put a team together and we're having a, a mentor come in and uh, a consultant come in and help us think through what does it look like to uh, create different frees in the country so that we can keep breaking the silence of addiction together uh, because it's such a big, such a big problem. And there's such beauty in, in, in tackling that problem together. Uh, but to answer your question simply, yeah, we live stream on Facebook and YouTube and we have people from literally all over the country that join in and some of them have gotten little groups together in a living room or their sober living house. We have right. sober living house join in and they just tune in each Saturday. And uh, what I hear from them is they've never stepped foot. They've never been to Denver. They've never come into the doors of free, but they say that free is their community. It's their tribe, their people. And uh, that's a, that's, that's a new thing for me. That's I'm not used to that yet of, uh, people saying this is my people and we've never met, but this kind of uh, mysterious thing happens when we just open up those channels and, and, you know, spirit starts moving. And what we found is we're profoundly interconnected uh, through uh, oftentimes through the bound, the, the, the binding of suffering. It has a way of connecting us hmm. suffering and hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff, man. That, that, that's very interesting. That's got to feel good. Come on, man. You got to, got to give yourself some pats on the back. That's got to feel amazing, right? You got people all across the country. You've never met who's hopping on a zoom and, and with, with their family watching what you all are doing in Denver and that's, you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sacred thing to be a part of it. And I always tell people, because I have people come to me a lot saying, Hey, I want to start this new thing. Can you help me? And, and what do I need to be aware of? And uh, man, I always say, when if you're starting a new thing, 
Um, one, is it a calling? Is it a passion? Do you have a love for it? And if you do, um, I, that, there's an old lie out there that says, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I always say, oh, please, you will work way harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. but, but it'll be worth it. It'll be that kind of good work. Um, and you will be scared along the way because you're taking a step into the unknown. And man, I had this comfortable job of being one of the lead pastors in the suburbs of Denver. It was comfortable. Things weren't bad. Things were actually good. And so I, I remember when a guy pulled me aside and said, are you sure you want to leave all this to go start that in your backyard? I mean, 10 people were coming, 12 people. Are you sure you want to leave this for that? You don't know if it's going to work. And I say, of course, you don't know if it's going to work. But how do we know if we don't try? The only thing worse than not doing it or than doing it is to not do it. So, um, yeah, it comes with all kinds of fear. And, and it also comes with the deepest joy I've ever experienced because me and my wife, we do this thing together. We started it together and, um, it's hard. I mean, especially in our community, we get, we deal with a lot of pain and a lot of disappointment to be honest with you, but we also see lives coming back. Last night, there was a child who stood up and celebrated his dad being sober again, and so I hear that, and I'm like, man, here's a 10-year-old kid saying he gets his dad back, and we get to be a part of that. So when you can look at your work in the world and say, man, I get to do this, I mean, that, that's where the sweet spot is. Not, man, Absolutely. I have to wake up and go to work, but, man, I get to do this. I wonder what's going to happen today. I wonder where God's going to move today. How do I get to be a part of it? Who, where's healing going to be taking place, and how do I get to step into it? It's a, it's a sweet spot. Great explanation, man. Wonderful. <laughs> it's um, it's you know when you when you meet and hear people who are inspirational, right? It's not just motivating, but it helps you find your aspirations. It helps unlock, right? Like like you said, when you look into that mirror and you see hope, there's suffering just behind you. That's really where hope lies, is in front of the suffering. But, you know, unfortunately, just like a lot in life, you can't have one thing without the other. You can't, you know, the world is not black and white. It's varying degrees of gray. And I know people are sick of hearing me say that, but that's the truth. That's where it is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's... It's one of those things that I'm sitting here and I'm listening and I'm getting motivated and I'm getting inspired. And that is what we need. That is this all-inclusive. It's not just about the spirit. It's about the mind. It's about the body. It's about all of it coming together. Like you said, it's all it's all interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like families, just like everything. You got to be your best self to be your best father, to be the best partner, to be the best worker, whatever it is. And that is where the inspiration is, is when you see somebody being their best selves, it helps you want to be your best self. And that's what, that's really what, why we started Untapped Keg was to let people know they're not alone. So to see all of this work that you're doing coming to fruition is also like, it's amazing. And reaching out and doing stuff so with all of the free community uh spiritual community and starting it in your backyard how has that impacted your family life because it sounds like you started it together it sounds like you are all all in on this together and that is that's powerful that's strong that's that's amazing that's incredible and i want to hear about it yeah. Uh, and I do say that, you know, Tammy and I, we celebrated our 17 year anniversary on Thursday, last Thursday. Woo! And it's 17. Oh, congratulations. Babies. I was 23. She was 22. Um, and it's always a sacred day for me because um, I know what a gift it is. I know the mess uh, that I brought into our marriage with addiction. And so to look and uh, see what we have now 
it's a really it's a sacred day it's a powerful reminder of the things that can be restored in recovery the things that are taken uh, from addiction um, but you know when we started in, in 2018 um, we just opened up our backyard for we said we were going to do four weeks four weeks to see if there was interest in a conversation in God and recovery um, so we started that on our second week this was June of 2018 Tammy called me I was at my office she said you need to come home um, and it sounded the way she said it I thought someone had died and uh, I said who died and she said no 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 it's the opposite and I said oh crap she was we had three kids at the time we thought we were done she got pregnant I have three blessings tattooed on my hand here so I had to add a little plus one. I don't know if you can see it. And we had four. And, um, and so you asked how it impacted our family life. And it was hard. It, it's still hard, to be honest with you. Uh, because I was, again, I was serving as a lead pastor and then starting the side thing that I thought was just going to be four weeks. And at the end of the four weeks, people were like, we can't stop now. I mean, what are we doing next week? And I'm like, yo, I don't know. I didn't plan next week. And we <laughs> one month off and we looked for space to begin renting and this beautiful space fell. I mean, there's a whole backstory there, but we got this beautiful space that just fell in our lap. And so for a year and a half, I was serving as a lead pastor at another church and I was starting free and Tammy and I were doing it together. Uh, But it was hard, man. It took a toll on us. But again, when you're doing the thing, you feel called to the thing that's like deep inside your bones it has a way of giving you this kind of renewed energy where mm-hmm. I think like God's saying, just keep going. I got you. Just, just keep taking another step one day at a time, one day at a time. That's all you need to worry about. Uh, and if you jump too far in the future, if you start future tripping, man, you might as well give up because it's a mess. You can never know what's going to happen in the future. Um, but it was hard. But what I see now is the gift of uh, Tammy and I love working together. We get to go in free every day. She she roasts the coffee. She employs women in recovery. She is s- sending beans all over the country. She's in 58 sober living houses now. She's in different coffee shops in Denver and different donut shops and restaurants. And she gets to do her thing. I'm doing my thing and we get to do it together. And our kids, um, they become part of that. You know, we bring her, we load up all four kids and we take them into free and they act like they own that space. Sometimes I got to put boundaries. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd be lying to you if I said it was easy, man. We've had to create boundaries uh, again, going back to counseling. Um, when, when things were the very best with free and her coffee, which she calls wagon coffee, uh, we noticed some tension in our marriage and we were like passing ships. And so uh, we said, we, we've been here before. We've been, we've been doing this thing for 17 years. We've been in these ruts before. We need outside perspectives. So we started going to counseling. And it's amazing how much that does. It's why I always tell people, counseling is good. Go to counseling. Right. Uh, there's professionals who are trained with this who can help you see the things you cannot see. Um, and we had to learn, go back to the basics of marriage is about sacrificing for one another. It's about... Um, it's about making sure each other feels uh, valued and heard and understood and that you're actually listening to that. And sometimes Ryan has to actually sit down and say, baby, how you feeling? Like, tell me how I want to hear it, you know? And these are simple tools, but I can't get there on my own. You know, I will never be able to get there on my own. I always have to have someone show me how to do it and remind me how to do it. Then I can get there. <laughs> um, but it's been a beautiful journey, man. Again, it's, it's the gift and, uh, I had this this real powerful transformation that came with my sobriety of, uh, you know, one of my friends told me, you have to wake up each day and start with gratitude. And I thought, that's just too stupid and simple. I don't even know what that means. And now I get it. You start with what you don't have, or you start with what you have rather than what you don't have, because it's too easy to wake up and say, well, I don't have this and I didn't go to that school and I don't have this money and I did I don't have this. And when you just start with, and I get to wake up this morning and be with my family. I get to go into a community that I love. I get to, I get to, I get to. It transforms my thinking um, and gives me a new perspective of the world. And I, it happens, um, I have to do it every day. I can't just do it every so often. I have to start that way daily. 
Yeah, that's the that's the thing. That's what I really enjoy about the spirituality journey. It's you know, not only are you learning so much about obviously energy that energy exists, uh, how to control it, how to manifest it, um, and obviously about Jesus. It's so meditative. It, it really is. You're literally transforming your brain, rewiring certain disconnects and being able to control your thoughts. Right. The power of now understanding that you control right now. Stop dwelling on the past. Stop being anxious about the future. Take care of right now. And so that's that's something that I thoroughly enjoy. And so you briefly touched on it, man. The coffee, the coffee, the coffee free cafe. Right. Yeah. I had the opportunity to try this stuff. Or, well, well, I actually had the, the wagon coffee, right? So am, am I? Well, so Free Cafe is, is uh, part of Free Spiritual Community. And then right. Wagon Coffee, which is Tammy's roasting business, she roasts her beans inside of Free Spiritual Community. But it's actually a separate thing. But Free Cafe serves wagon coffee. Gotcha. If- yeah, gotcha. So I had the opportunity to try this. Uh, I had the, the peanut butter flavored um, <laughs> coffee, the white beans, right? White coffee. Yeah, the white coffee. And my goodness, I'm going to let you chat here, of course. But that stuff packs a p- punch. <laughs> I'm talking yeah. like I was I was wired in a really good way for for a very long time. But I'd love for you to share that, man. Um, How do you guys come about that? Come, come about with that? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> just to let sorry, you, I got this gnat in here. Sorry, <laughs> let your listeners know the the white coffee mantra is referring to is um, it's it's called white coffee. It's roasted at a lesser amount of time, a, a lower temperature, and so it comes out with a really nutty flavor. It comes out. Uh, people either love it or hate it usually, but it's got seventy percent more caffeine, so that's why you get that little wired feeling. Uh, so I tell people, to, don't drink it at night, uh, go easy on it. Uh, but it's really good with the flavored creamer in it. So if you got some like a uh, chocolate flavored creamer, it's super good that way. Anyway, um, and this is, I'm speaking for my wife, Tammy here. She, you know, she was in the corporate coffee world for 18 years and she stepped out of that when we had our third child. And so when we started free, uh, I just knew in recovery how important coffee was like give people a warm cup of coffee something to do with their hands because some of them come in shaking and uh, coffee is just like this comfort you know it's a comfort and so um she bought a little home coffee roaster it was about this big and she was roasting one pound every six hours to serve at our saturday night gatherings and so um she just came up with this vision and she called it wagon coffee to be in alignment with our central image and she said, hey, I'm going to get this bigger roaster and we're going to start. I'm going to I'm going to help women in recovery because women in recovery, you know, many of them, they get a DUI or they get in some legal trouble and they have a much harder time finding employment than than men do. Um, and so she said, I want to employ women in recovery. And she just went big with it. She got investors and started roasting coffee on a bellwether. I was explaining a bellwether to uh, RJ before you jumped on Monte. But uh, the bellwether is like the Cadillac of coffee roasters. It's uh, she gets beans from all over the world. She knows where these beans are coming from, which farm, what um, she knows how these uh, farmers are treated, how these uh, what they're getting paid, that they're getting a sustainable living. So it's all clean energy. We are a clean coffee shop, clean energy. And um, yeah, she's she's totally rocking it. You go into, we call it her wagon room inside of free. There's just coffee beans and big bags everywhere. Um, and she's, she's, we both have been given this tremendous gift of, we get to do the thing we love and somehow we get to do it together. So mm. she took her love. She's always loved coffee and she's always loved people. Um, and so she got to put those gifts together and she's, I get to see my wife just totally rock it. You know, she's in her sweet spot. She's in the groove and uh, you ride that wave. you know, that waves don't last forever, but you ride that way when they come and, and she's doing it, man. And I get to drink dang good coffee along the way. <laughs> A little benefit that uh, <laughs> is nice, right? <laughs> um, so Ryan, as, as we're, we're going to start wrapping up here. Um, you know, what would you like to leave people with about your story? 
Uh, I'd say get honest. And um, vulnerability is really scary. If you get vulnerable, it will be the scariest thing you ever do. Mm -hmm. Um, And the truth is people can turn on you. People can hurt you. Um, People could say they could do a jaw dropper and say, I didn't know that. Uh, and, and somehow they'll turn on you. you. You'll disappoint them. And yet, vulnerability, in my experience, is always worth it. It's never not worth it. The outcomes far outweigh the bad thing with vulnerability. And in my experience, most people won't turn on you. Most people, you'll find you'll actually get closer to because you are giving them permission to get vulnerable with their story to share things that shared, to go to the darkness that they've never visited. And the only way we get to the light is if we're willing to go through the darkness, we can't go over it. We can't go around it. We can't go under it. We have to go right through that darkness and don't do it alone. Uh, You're not equipped to do it alone. Do it with other people. Um, You will find so many gifts along the way when you make an intentional decision to journey with other people and to let other people in. And I say it like it's easy. It's, it, it's not, if you're not used to it, it, it'll be the hardest work you do. It'll be a brand new road and it's worth it. It's worth it because there's freedom on the other side. You will be unlocking a world you didn't know existed and you'll discover this sense of uh, God, spirit, universe, whatever you call it, doing for you what you could never do for yourself. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Powerful man, inspiring, very inspiring. You have you have one heck of a story, and thank you. I am grateful, very very grateful. I don't want to speak for RJ, of course. I'll give him the opportunity, but I'm so grateful to have had you on to share this. Um, it's it's uplifting, right? Um, gonna be going to do some yard work here soon, and I'm just excited, <laughs> right? I just having the opportunity, right? I was I was dreading it when I woke up earlier this morning, but now it's like, wait, I. I have the opportunity to to walk, to to work, to to be free, and so so I thank you. You thank get you. to go mow that lawn, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of dwelling on that stuff, or or not dwelling in a sense, just dreading it. It's it's a lot of people don't have that opportunity, and so thank you, thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been great. So to rehash before we get out of here. What is the best way for people to get in contact with you? Uh, you can uh, visit our website. All my contact info is on there, freespiritualcommunity.com. Uh, you can check us out on social media at Free Spiritual Community, both on Facebook and Instagram, also on YouTube, Free Spiritual Community. We try to keep it simple for y'all. Same <laughs> handles everywhere. So uh, we'd love to connect with you. And if uh, yeah, and if I can be a resource in any way, I've learned the value of a uh, to keep the gift, you got to give the gift away. So it's all about helping others. That's that's how we experience a gift. That's so true. That's so true. And, yeah. you know, the finding a mentor to like, I cannot express that enough. Find somebody who is willing mm-hmm. to take their gift and pass it on so that you can do the same thing, because that's something that to cherish as well. And <clears throat> in the show notes, we do have the... Um, social media links we have the website so that you can click that and follow that give free spiritual community a follow um you know send send a message and let ryan know how amazing you know the amazing work he's doing and how he inspired you Mons, where can people find you you guys can find me on twitter at monteball28 instagram monteball obviously or untapped cake pages as well choose questions topics what you want to see We'll most definitely get back to you. RJ, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter, at his trickster, ITZ. The I is the one in trickster. And then, as Mont said, untap keg everywhere. Um, our DMs are open. If you're struggling, reach out. We'll help you find resources. If you need to talk, I got two ears, and they listen pretty well. And, you know, find us on all podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification button so you know when an episode goes live. Leave us a review, share the podcast with anybody you think who could use some inspiration. 
And, you know, find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash untapped K. Take a look at what we got there because, you know, it's not just us telling you about this journey. It's you being able to walk it with us and seeing how we are also doing on our journey. And like Ryan says, you know, we don't sugarcoat it. We show the struggles as well because the struggles are real and that's life. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on, Ryan, and for everything that you are doing in Denver and the nation with your community and opening it up to everybody (laughs) and helping others to be motivated. Thank you guys for having me. You're doing a cool thing here. So keep doing it. (laughs) I appreciate that. So everybody, you have a great week. I love you. And let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least we don't make it. We tried. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.